0: Chad Jay Mansbridge here. Lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate His love, truth, and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Those of you visiting us today, there's a few faces I don't recognise. You probably recognize them. You have a mirror in your house. But I don't recognize them. So it's great to have you in our home. If you don't recognize me, my name's Chad. I have the privilege of being part of the leadership group here. And uh, we have a great team, part of this church. We are, we're a pretty good church, aren't we? We've, we, 2020, pfft, that was easy. We, we, we nailed it. That being said, we weren't in Melbourne. So we prayed for you guys. Uh, Jeffrey and Suzanne here, pastors from Melbourne. Rachel's parents put your hands together from them. And. Um, survived. Boy, oh boy. In Melbourne, we've uh, also had some friends in Manila or have some friends in Manila this year. It was, uh, it's uh, still very difficult for them over there. I'll be speaking at their uh, college coming up in a couple of weeks. In fact, Scott and Catherine, you have a couple in your church. we moved to gadena this year from Manila, friends of ours. Uh, what's their names again? Gabe and Katie. Is there any news from Gabe and Katie that you could probably share? No? Nothing? Pregnant. She's pregnant. That's exactly where I was going, Scott. Thank you very much. Katie, many of those of you who are part of our church would know Katie and Gabe. And uh, yes, yeah, so she is with child. Just, just one, just one. Uh, with child, it's great to have you guys here. Scott and Catherine and their family from Kadena. And how long ago was I with you? Oh, a couple of months ago. Coming back to the, um, the peninsula. Do you know that, what's his name's invited me over in March? Who's he? What's it? Darren. 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 So he pastors the Edith Church in Edithburgh, and also they've got another campus, two churches. But he's also the mayor of of Edithburgh. There you go. So one of our very first pastors here in Victor Harbour in the day. Those of you who are visiting, if you're tourists here, you may have at some point driven around a roundabout. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, one of our roundabouts uh, has. Uh, there's two churches on the corner, and there's a massive congregational. Uh, church there quite ornamental and uh, it's named after a guy called Newland and so he was actually one of our founding uh, congregational church ministers it was known as then sort of all merged and become Uniting Church now but uh, he was the mayor of Victor Harbour and a pastor at the same time so there you go because uh, the wisdom that God gives people is not just for the that God gives from his word is not just for the four walls of the church God's wisdom is for real life and politics or governance or running a good business, this is all part of life, this is all part of in, uh, improving a society through salt and light and uh, hopefully enhancing a society to make it more uh, beneficial to spread the gospel and to help open people's hearts to, to know who God is as Father. So uh, having uh, an investment in our community, changing the world in which we live, uh, not having a defeatist mentality that the world's going to end tomorrow, Um, I've said uh, talking with a friend this week and saying one of the great contradictions of much of the church world in 2020 was the uh, social on one hand a lot of people on social media saying uh, COVID-19 is the end of the world this is it it's all over. And then the very next post, posting the blessing song where we're singing, may the Lord bless your generation to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. Well, you've got to bank up your mind, okay? Either the world's ending or we're going to be going on generation to generation to generation. And certainly there is uh, wisdom in knowing, hey, we're going to be here a long time. If I'm going to be a blessing to the next generation, next generation, I'm going to live long term on this planet and changing our society through salt and light is one way to do that. That was all just to basically say good morning and to... to, uh, you know, get the sound levels right and and all that sort of stuff. G'day. I'm in two minds about New Year's resolutions. Resolutions are a good thing. Okay. God resolved in his mind to send his son to the earth. Good decision, Lord. Jesus resolved... To go to the cross, even when it wasn't particularly convenient, Lord, if there's anything, any way possible, I don't have to go through this, please. But nevertheless, not my will but yours. And there's a verse in Old Testament talks about him setting his face like flint. He resolved to go to the cross, and quite frankly, I'm really glad he made that resolution. And he didn't do that as God. Our oh, cross was easy because Jesus is God. You know that was uh, that was easy for him. No, he made fully man. Uh, going through that to show the power of the human will among other things he willed himself to go to the cross because he knew that's what his father was asking of him and Paul the apostle would later write to the Corinthians and say to them listen when I was with you I made a resolution I resolved something and I resolved to know nothing except Christ and him crucified I resolved, I determined, King James says, I'm determined to know nothing. So making a resolution, resolving something in your mind is a good thing. What I don't quite like about New Year's resolution, the other side of it, is this time of the year. Because for many of us, summer is abnormal. It's not the best normally, time of the year to make a big decision in life because it's uh, it's the relaxed time. It's, it's summertime. It's, there's not much of a routine. And generally, if you're going to make a significant decision uh, of a discipline in your life, uh, you will be fighting against the summer culture as you do that. It's probably better uh, to wait until there's... Uh, normally, for me, I'd suggest, you know, wait for Australia Day. Wait for the routine of year to kick in until you resolve to exercise a discipline type of thing, okay? Okay, so in one sense, we kind of have a couple of new years. You know, We sort of start the year in a scheduled sense for many of us, certainly those of us with kids in school. Late January, early February, it's kind of like now the year starts, you know? So I think a lot of people fail on their New Year's resolutions because of the time of year that it is. And barbecue and beaches and, and the beverages that come with that and, and uh, the celebrations and the late nights, etc. Maybe if you're thinking of making a New Year's resolution, you might set yourself up for a better success if you just held on a couple of weeks. But that being said... Am I speaking too fast? That being said... <laughs> Yes, I asked the wrong person. (laughs) I want to share or suggest one resolution, New Year's resolution for you that's super easy, that I'm sure all of us here can embrace and particularly pertinent for this time of year. We haven't had it yet, but summer is coming. There have been hints of it, but summer is coming. I basically want to encourage you today to resolve, make a resolution, resolve to refresh other people Good. resolve to be a refreshing presence for others now we know that acts chapter 3 for example says that listen if you walk in line and keeping with god the times of refreshing will come from him many of you've walked with god for many years have experienced the refreshing of god personally god has refreshed me david okay king david like i read before in the psalms we're talking about god leading me through streams and and waters he refreshes or restores my soul. So, yes, we can be refreshed by God, but God wants to refresh other people through you. And God's refreshing presence in you wants to work its way out so that you can be a refreshing presence for other people. Um, soon after I was born, my parents and Auntie Leslie and Uncle Trevor may remember this, it's a long time ago, uh, at uh, Peter Vacker, my uh, pastor when I was little. I uh, had a dedication service uh, when I, you know, 42 years ago and a lady came up to mum and dad, similar to what we do here on Father's Day when we dedicate babies. Sounds like we're doing more of that this year. No, not, not there. No, no, let me str- In what you just said, Shh. we collectively, not we. Uh, no, no, no. Um, point is... Uh, lady came up to my friends with a piece of paper and said, I feel like there's truths in this passage of Scripture, Isaiah 58, that are particularly pertinent for Chad's life. And it simply says this, The Lord will guide you, Isaiah 58, 11, The Lord will guide you always. And by following the guidance of God, it says, He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. He will strengthen your frame. And you will be like a well-watered garden like a spring whose waters never fail so not only god promising to refresh you will be like a well-ward garden you Now we have the privilege here in, in victor of having retirees live just outside our window which is awesome because we get to enjoy their gardens without doing any work and uh, they're out there all the time uh, watering the gardens, they got well watered gardens. We get to enjoy them. Well, God here says, "You will be like a well watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail." So, as God waters us within us, Holy Spirit, spring stuff. Okay, rises a spring that never fails to give to others, refreshing to other people. And then all the Rs kicked in. After refreshing, come all the other Rs. You will be called. It says, "Restorer." Uh, of streets with dwellings. How does the guy? I can't remember now. See, this is the problem when you've got tech issues and you relied on the scriptures to be on the screen. You will be called restorer of, of broken walls, repairer of streets with dwellings. Your people will raise up ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. Okay, a refreshed people refresh others and bring restoration to the lives of other people. Last year, we ended with a series in November about being a restorative community. Well, today I want to bring a slight adjustment to the word restorative and use the word refreshing, that we would leave today committing ourselves to being a people who refresh other people, that you would be a refreshing presence. And if you are in for that, we're going to be having a look at that today. What I want to do is I want to look at five groups of characters in the New Testament, some of them are a bit obscure, lesser known characters in the New Testament, they're all somehow connected with the Apostle Paul. And I want you to notice how Paul describes them as being refreshing people. And then we want to look at the qualities that they had. What made that person refreshing? What was it about them that Paul would say, you refreshed me, you refreshed me? Okay, the first one we're going to start with is Philemon. So he has a whole book devoted to himself. The shortest book Paul wrote, the shortest letter uh, Paul wrote. In fact, this if you were to look at first century letters, that's pretty well the standard letter size. okay? Because writing on scrolls was really expensive. One of the reasons Paul asked or, or received money from other people is so that he could buy expensive long scrolls to record things on. So this is actually pretty standard letter size for the first century. If you want to start your year by reading a book in the Bible... Go with Philemon, okay? You're really encouraging. You'll start off well. But basically the whole story of Philemon is this. Philemon is a friend of Paul's and Paul wants to ask him a favour. Paul has one of his servants uh, called Anisimus and Paul says, listen, I'm going to send Anisimus back to you because he ran away. Okay, Naughty boy, he ran away but out of integrity. I'm going to send him back to you because he's become a Christian now. And he shouldn't have run away. So I've sent him back to you. He's had a heart change. He's coming to you, Philemon. But what I want you to do is I want you to do a a favour for me and release him from being your slave. Release him from service. Would you please do that for me? He's asking a favour of his friend. And so uh, verse 4, he says this, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. The hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Philemon had a reputation for refreshing other people. Paul knows this. And so he knows I can ask this friend for a favour because he has a reputation of being a refreshing person. And he says this in verse 20. Brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. How many of you walked with Jesus long enough to remember Refresh my heart, Lord. Remember that one? Okay, I've started something. (laughs) Well, Paul's saying that to his mate. Refresh my heart, Philemon. It doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? But he's saying that to his mate. Saying, why don't you... I know I can get refreshing from the Lord, but I want want my heart to be refreshed from you, mate. Okay? Next verse. He goes on to say, what does this mean? confident of your obedience i write to you knowing that you will do even more than i say at the same time prepare a guest room for me for i'm hoping that through your prayers i'll be graciously given to you paul knows that he can call on philemon to do a mate a favor because he has a refresh a reputation of being a refreshing person philemon refresh my heart by doing me a favor refresh my heart by doing a friendly favor for me you know one of the ways we can be a refreshing people is give ourselves to fulfilling friendly favours. Fulfilling friendly favours. How many of you have got a mate? Helped you move house? Okay, help done something. Nothing's too hard for them. Then. I'll do that. Oh yeah, I'll do something else. I'll oh, prepare a guest room for you. No problem. Nothing's too difficult for a friend. Nothing's too difficult. How refreshing is that? Not awkward. Easy. No strings attached. No worries, mate. I'll help you out. What a refreshing presence that can bring to people uh, just by fulfilling a friendly favour. Point number one, Philemon, fulfilling friendly favours. Have I got enough alliteration here? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't, don't go there. Uh, the next, next one we want to do is turn to 1 Corinthians 16 and look at a couple of men. One of the series we did last year uh preaching series we did last year. It's on our website and, and uh, iTunes and everything was a series called Heroes. And we looked at some of the heroes of the New Testament, Noah and Esther and Solomon and uh, a few others. Okay, well, Jeff took one of those sessions and he preached on these three men that none of us had ever heard of before. And uh, I want to have a look there again, 1 Corinthians uh, 16 and read verse 15. Now, I urge you, brothers... You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and labourer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus, Fortunatus and Achaicus. Next lot of babies, okay? Why? Because, because... They have made up for your absence. The NIV says they have made up for the lack that you could not provide me. That they've made up for a gap. They noticed a gap. Corinthians, you've said you wanted to help me. You haven't been able to. These men recognise that and they filled the gap. Next verse as, as we continue. For they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. So give recognition to such men. They refreshed My spirit refreshed my heart, now refresh my spirit. How did these men refresh the spirit of Paul? They found a gap. They noticed a gap and they filled it. These three brothers or three men or three mates or whatever they were, we don't know. These three guys noticed a need and they took initiative. They were resourceful. They demonstrated resourcefulness. They saw a need. They recognised Paul had a need that we as a church have promised. We've we've said we're the kind of church that helps Paul, but we're not at the moment, or there's a lack at the moment. And so you know what I'll do? I'll solve that problem. I'll be resourceful and I'll step into that gap. And this is what we see those gentlemen doing. They identified lack, but then took initiative to close it. And they did that at a very personal cost. I've, I've often encouraged you guys, those who are part of this church, when you read the book of Acts and you read the New Testament, read it with a map. And when you realise how far these men travelled to get to Paul, from Corinth to Ephesus, they travelled 600 kilometres, if they took a boat maybe three or 400, that's a heck of a long way in the first century. They took it upon themselves, they paid the price to go and meet a need that they themselves discovered and there's no, uh, no indication that they did it because the pastor asked them to. They took initiative. They demonstrated resourcefulness to meet that need with Paul. And you can just imagine, those of you who are business owners, those of you who work at a school, those of you who are part of a sporting club, part of a church, whatever, can you imagine how different your environment would be if people demonstrated initiative and resourcefulness? If there was a culture of saying, I see a need. I'll slip into that. I'll slip into that. Happened to me this morning. When to, get, when to get coffee. Notice someone on the coffee. You're not meant to be here. What are you doing here? Oh, no one was here. I thought I'd slip in, fill the gap. There you go. Resourcefulness, just saying, I see a need. I'll fulfill that need. And that's exactly what these three men did. And he said, you know what? Doing that, doing that refreshes my spirit. And these type of people deserve recognition because they refresh others. Amen? Hey. Amen? Amen? Yeah, see, I shouldn't have to ask you for that, should I? Just like an just resourceful, filling in a gap. Chad's leaving a gap here. Gee, I wish our church was a little bit more lively. Yeah. Well, fill that gap. I wish our church, you know, that doesn't really happen much at our churches. I don't really, people don't really invite people out for lunch after the service very much. Fill that gap gee, I want. You know, we've gone a few weeks and no one's really had a prophetic word or a, or a tongue in an interpretation or or something like that. And, and you... fill the gap. Fill the gap. Uh, show initiative. Be resourceful. That's what these three men were doing, and it refreshed their spirit. Another one. 2 Timothy. Two Timothy. Moving on to another awesome name. Anissa Forus. <laughs> is he for us? Yeah, he is, he is. Anesophorus. Paul writes to young Timothy and he says this, May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Anisiphorus, for he often refreshed me. How? Well, he was not afraid or ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day, and you know about it, all the stuff he's done in Ephesus. I mean, that's just what this guy Ananias is like. He has a reputation of being earnest. He has a reputation of being eager. And this, Esoph- uh, you know, Paul's writing again to a guy here that was from Ephesus who came to Rome, and when he got to Rome, he thought, "I'm going to find Paul." Paul was in prison, and you know, I don't know if you know this, but Paul didn't have Facebook. He it, no one could know where Paul checked in last. Okay, for us to find Paul, he had to work hard. He had to be earnest. He had to be eager. He had to keep looking and keep looking and keep looking and keep looking and keep looking. I'm looking for this guy. This Jewish guy is a rabbi. He's from Damascus. Do you know this guy? I'm looking for a guy called Saul. Tarsus, no, don't know. I'm going to keep looking, keep looking, keep looking, keep looking, earnestly, eagerly, zealously. King James, I think, says diligently searching for Paul oh, until I finally found him. And Paul said, that refreshed me because it's not easy to find me when you're stuck in in Rome in a little house under house arrest. And by the way, not only is it not easy to find me, but it's a little bit embarrassing to say, I'm looking for a guy who's been arrested, a mate of mine. Can you help me? Now that's a bit embarrassing. You have to push through some social awkwardness, have to push through some inconvenience to say, I'm looking for my friend. And Paul said, that earnestness, that eagerness refreshed me. You know, one of the most refreshing things people to hang around is those who are willing to pay the price for their convictions. Those are willing to, because that should be such a normal thing to say, yeah, when I'm convinced of something, I'll push through inconvenience, and I'll push through personal comfort, all right? I'll pay the price to follow through my convictions eagerly and earnestly, and one of the reasons that that's refreshing is not only because it's unfortunately a bit rare, but that's what God's like. He's running, 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 running. He keeps going. doesn't. He keeps holding on. Jehovah Pitbull just keeps holding on, you know? He's persistent. And this is the nature of God to be eager and earnest and zealous before you ever had passion for God. He was passionate for you. And so he says in Zephanias chapter three, God, no, Zechariah chapter eight, he says, I burn with jealousy for my people. I'm jealous for them. With a godly Paul says, with a godly jealousy, I'm jealous for you. I'm zealous for my people. That's what God's like. That's what God's like. And so when we're like that, it's refreshing to other people because you're like, ooh, someone like Jesus. Someone's like Jesus who's eager, earnest, keen, zealous, willing to pay the price for their convictions. It's nice when you see it. Oh, yeah, I'm willing to take a lower paid job because I know God has called me. I'm willing to sell up and pack up and move my house because I know God has called me. I'm willing to give that luxury up because I know God has spoken to me. It's a conviction that I have. Those are the type of people that refresh you. And those—that that is the type of person you can be to bring refreshing to other people. Where convenience, convenience is a good thing. I love convenience. Convenience is great. Sometimes convenience is a good thing. Don't create more obstacles than what you need. Do the easy thing. No worries. No problems. But when c- conviction always supersedes convenience, when I know God's on the agenda, when I know God has spoken something, there is no risk involved when God's spoken. is there? Is there? Well, maybe there is, but the risk is always worth it when God has spoken. And here's Anisophorus, which is a name I'm going to test you on next week. Huh? Anisophorus. Anisophorus. If Anisophorus, who can be against us? And so here's Anesophorus who refreshed Paul. Why? Because he was eager. He was earnest. And he carried through on his convictions. While we're talking about the church uh they in corinth oh no actually we skipped that let's turn to second corinthians We've got two more to go second corinthians chapter seven two corinthians chapter seven this what we see now is not just an individual who's refreshing but a whole church that is refreshing you know what happens when a lot of the parts of the body are committed to one thing the whole tide rises okay i'd like to think that not only chad Me, personally, okay, I resolve to be refreshing. I can have a reputation as being refreshing. But if we all leave with that commitment, then we as a church are known for being a refreshing church. We as a church are known to be, wherever these guys go, when I get there on Sunday, boy, it's just refreshing. It's just refreshing. And there's certainly more things than I want to be known for than that. Today, that's the subject. As we each commit ourselves, that tide rises. And the fact of the matter is, no matter who you are, You will have a time in your life where you need to be refreshed by other people. And Paul demonstrates that. Because it's in this letter, he says, you know what? There was a time not that long ago when I was stuffed. I was exhausted from the outside. I had internal turmoil thinking about my relationship with you. Uh, He was actually really nervous about the church because he'd written them a very scolding letter and he didn't know how they were going to respond to it and it made him nervous you know, he was a firebrand preacher, but he was also pastoral. He cared about people. And so he did care. He was wondering, how are those people going to respond? Um, I hold the unconventional view, not controversial, just unconventional, that our Bible contains three Corinthian letters. Okay, Paul talks about three letters that he wrote to this church. A help letter, a harsh letter, and then a happy letter. The help letter is 1 Corinthians. Help us, Paul, we've got all these issues. Help, 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 help. And he writes to them. Then it says, we're about to read, oh, it's in this chapter. Then he says he wrote them a harsh letter because they were doing stuff that was just ridiculous. And he wrote them a harsh letter. And then he wrote them a happy letter to say, I'm so grateful that you responded so well to my harsh letter. Brings me such relief. Well, 2 Corinthians, Chad, I lean towards this idea. 2 Corinthians is that harsh letter and that happy letter combined. And so if you read 2 Corinthians, when you get to chapter 10, the tone of the letter completely changes because he's writing them the happy letter. I'm so grateful you responded to my harsh letter. And then they inserted or they kept as an appendix almost the harsh letter, the one he wrote, as the last few chapters. So it's like Corinthians is back to front. If you wanted to read it in sequence, you really need to start at chapter 10 where he has a go at them and then read from chapter 1, where he says, I'm so glad you were okay with what I said in chapter 10. Too much for one morning. Forget it, chat it's New Year's, we're on holidays, leave us alone. All right, the point is, here in this passage, this light like, saying, I'm so grateful that you responded to my harsh letter. In chapter 10, I'm so grateful that you responded to that. And he says this in verse 13. He says, therefore, we are comforted. We're comforted because Titus has come back from you and has told us, phew, they responded well to the letter. I've been nervous about this for weeks. Titus has come back and finally said, you responded well. Besides our own comfort, we rejoiced still more at the joy of Titus because his spirit has been refreshed, refreshed, refreshed by all of you. And there's affection for you, verse 15, is even greater. As he remembers the obedience, obedience of you all, how you received him with fear and trembling. You see, Paul says, I sent this harsh letter with Titus. Titus, take this letter, mate. All the best. I hope they respond well. Titus takes that harsh letter and he says, read this. It's sealed envelope. Read that. It's a harsh letter. (gasps) The people respond well. And Titus was refreshed. Oh, thank God they responded well. And Paul says, you refreshed him. What refreshed him? watching how you were obedient to the voice of God your obedience your submission to truth not being stubborn but being submissive that is refreshing kind of plays into the previous point there's something really refreshing about being with people who obeying God is just the norm i'll do what God says i'll adjust to truth and whether it's truth in the scripture I'll submit to that. Whether it's truth revealed by the Spirit, I'll submit to that. Why are you doing that now? You were doing I noticed you've stopped doing this and you, oh well, God spoke to me about it, and so I just stopped. Oh, that's a mate, that's great. How refreshing is that? To hear someone who's just willing to submit to the Holy Spirit. And in this example, not just submit to the scripture or submit to the Spirit, but submit to the advice or the instruction of other saints. To submit to their father that said, Listen, kids. I'm worried about you, you're doing this, it's bugging me, it's giving me a headache and I want you to change. It is so refreshing to know that they responded well, so refreshing. And I, for one, don't want to be one of those people that's stubborn when it comes to obeying the voice of God because stubborn people are exhausting to be around. Some people are exhausting the beer, around. And sometimes the most, sometimes I've explained this before and pastors here will understand particularly. Sometimes one of the biggest challenges you go through as a pastor, and many of, you, many of you have experienced this, is when a relationship or someone's relationship with you turns awkward. And your conscience is clear. There's nothing wrong that I know of. But somehow they're behaving in a way in their private life. That their conscience is suddenly not clear. They're not submitting to Holy Spirit. They're not submitting to the Scriptures. They're not submitting to wisdom. And in their mind, they've just got awkward. They begin to smoke screen. They become coy sometimes. And you're like, what? what's going on? It's a person that does not have a, a, a vulnerable heart. It's a person that does not have a, an open heart to submit to truth because somehow, like Adam and Eve in the garden, they think they're hiding away in a bush going, Oh, God's not really going to know. God's got, to, you know, I don't really want God to see me. And peop- it's, a, it, it's a bush, whatever. Use your imagination. And God's like, You got no need to hide. So you're nude, big deal. Seen it before, you know. What changed? Nothing changed from God's perspective. But this stubbornness that just clouded the conscience and that broke this, the, the cleanliness, the clean air of this relationship. Well, here's Paul, nervous that that was going to happen to the Corinthians. Oh gee, I hope they respond well. I was a little bit harsh. and Once I knew that they were obedient, not necessarily to me, but they were obedient to the voice of God. That is so refreshing, so refreshing to know that they were transparent, that they were humble, that they demonstrated integrity, that they were teachable, that they were teachable. And lastly, is that okay? Philemon, fulfilling for friendly favours. The three guys whose names no one can remember, who were resourceful. And was earnest and eager. The Corinthian church, what were they? They were submissive. Lastly, we come to Paul himself. Paul himself. He writes to the Romans and at the start of Romans, this is a church he didn't start. Okay, Paul didn't plant the church in Rome. This is one of his great goals at the end of Acts. okay, This whole part of the last bit of Acts. He's desperate to get to Rome. I can't wait to get to you guys because I've heard on the day of Pentecost, some of you came to know Jesus, you've gone back to Rome and boom, there's a church there. Can't wait to get there and see you. And he says, one of the reasons I want to see you is so that I can encourage you And you can encourage me. That's how he starts the letter in Romans chapter 1. And then he closes the letter by saying this, chapter 16. I've got this here. Now I beg you, brethren, 15, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in prayers to God, that I may be delivered from those who who do not believe that my service for the saints in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, because I so want to come to you with joy by the will of God And may be refreshed together with you. There were many reasons Paul wanted to go to the church in Rome. But one of those reasons was that I want to be refreshed by you and I want you to be refreshed by me. Well, how did Paul know that his presence was going to be refreshing to them? One of the reasons is that he was coming to them with joy. I'm coming to you with joy. And you know what? There's nothing more refreshing than someone just being happy. Than someone just saying, I'm coming to help you and I'm doing it happily. By the way, I'm going through hell to get there. I've got to go on a boat and all these uh, the shipwrecks and all this sort of stuff to get there. But I wanna, I'm happy to help. I come to you happily. There's something about an attitude of joy. He knew that being with them, he would refresh their spirit, as we see here, and as we saw last year, we did one of the other teaching series we did last year. I'm gonna plug our podcast here, go back and listen. Was a series on Philippians where Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always, 16 times, four chapters. Joy, 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 joy. Paul demonstrated that, he modeled that, and he knew happy people make people happy, <laughs> happy people refresh other. People. Paul believed in rejoicing in the Lord always and serving him with gladness. To serve with a smile, to show charity with a good cheer, to give with gladness, to labour with laughter, to help with happiness. Paul was a happy helper. And this made him a refreshing person to be around. And serving happily, being joyful, is instructed to us, commanded, if you like, over and over again, Psalm 100, worship the Lord with gladness. 1 First, First Thessalonians 5, he says, rejoice always. Be joyful always. Simple. When we rock up to work tomorrow, those of you starting your work year tomorrow in your office, go in with a smile on your doll. I've resolved to refresh people today. One of the best things I can do is sit in the car until I'm ready so I can walk in with genuine joy and create a happy environment everywhere I go. When you sit on that committee meeting this year for your kids' sporting club, I'm going to add joy to this occasion. When we come to church in whatever areas we serve, you know, in our, in our giving box up the back there, we quote Second Corinthians that says, "God loves a cheerful giver, a cheerful giver." Greek, hilaros. God loves a hilarious giver, and yes, the context is finances, but that can that giving can extend into anything that we give. God loves a hilarious complimenter. God loves a hilarious barista. God loves a hilarious super kids volunteer. God loves a hilarious host at the front and car park attendant. Whatever you're doing, God loves it when you're hilarious. If you don't think you're funny, you should. <laughs> see things from my perspective you guys look <laughs> god loves a cheerful giver are there one of those that maybe can ring true with you today and that you can leave here with me and say you know what maybe it's not the greatest time of the year to to make massive commitments and changes to my life but i can leave here today and resolve to refresh other people do you think that could make a difference in our world then why don't you stand up and uh let me just sum up here as the the team comes have a look at this now i want you to 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 be in awe of this and not to moan and groan okay have a look f fulfill friendly favors be resourceful earnest and eager submissive and not stubborn and happily help and there you go there we have it and this is how to be fresh people that refresh other people oh yeah i i hear that moan don't worry don't worry i hear that moan that took me ages ages to do that take a photo louis that's gold that is artistic artistic preachers gold right there there you go jeff got a message for next week when you're back in melbourne it's, uh, it's all there. It's all spelled out for you, so to speak. If you know the person next to you well enough that you're allowed to touch them, why don't you do that? Holy Spirit, we thank you that refreshed people refresh people. And thank you today that your spirit, your mercies come to us fresh every day. Your love never changes and today comes to us fresh. And I pray for this person today. I just push their refresh button. Bing! Refresh. Yeah, you know what? You you next to me, I can see that spinning wheel. Yeah, that, that spin. See, that's annoying. Refresh, refresh. I speak the refreshing of God over this person. And I thank you, Lord, that not only are you their oasis, but they are an oasis of refreshing for others. And so do a work in them and do a work through them. This year, I declare they will be a refreshing presence everywhere they go in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.